I'm Ariana. And I'm Julie Gafke. And this is Justice, That's That's the the Business business We're In. This Michigan-based podcast focuses on civil rights laws and cases from the perspective of attorney Julie Gafke and her law firm. Attorney Gafke specializes in discrimination cases. This is a podcast for those who are interested in learning more about law, current events, and the way in which they affect our communities in everyday life. So thank you for joining today's episode. We seem to continuously be living through historic events and some are good and some are not so good, but most recently they have remained on the not so good side. So last week, the filibuster in the U.S. Senate on the voting acts could not be broken and a vote on the bill passed by the House already could not take place on the Freedom to Vote John R. Lewis Act. The John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, named for the late congressman from Georgia, aims to reverse a 2013 decision by the United States Supreme Court. In the case of Shelby County versus Holder that struck down the key portions of the Voting Act of 1965, the Lewis Act would restore the requirements and update the formula for which states need preclearance to change voting laws if the states have a history of discrimination. Other changes in states, such as relocating polling placing and imposing strict voting ID requirements, would be subject to preclearance. This is an act that would expand voting rights and access across the country. According to Business Insider, this would reverse the effects of dozens of new state-level voting restrictions passed this year. It didn't have enough votes from Republicans to break the filibuster. So let's talk about what happened last week because yeah. we've talked about the Voting Rights Act bills from the state and the federal level at a different podcast, but we're revisiting it again because of what happened last week. Um, the U.S. Senate never got to vote on these two laws that were trying to be passed to protect voters' rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why is because the U.S. Senate could not end debate. They were in what's called a filibuster. And so since 1975, there needs to be 60 votes to stop a filibuster, to end debate, and to go on to vote on the actual legislation, the actual bill. So that never took place, in other words, the voting on the actual bills never got a chance. Um, the, the Senate voted 50 to 49 to advance the bill to end the debate. That wasn't enough. Again, you need 60 votes since 1975. Only one Republican, Lisa Murkowski, voted to end the debate so that there could be a vote on the actual voting rights bills, which falls far short from the 60 that were needed. So the goal of these two Voting Rights Act bills that were being introduced, and those bills, like you said, one of them is called the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, and the other one is called the Freedom to Vote Act. And basically what these bills do is protect voter access. Under the 10th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, the states have the right to pass the laws regarding voting. 
regarding the process of voting, um, regarding the counting of voting, things of that nature. We're, these laws aren't proposing to take states' rights away. What the federal laws are trying to do in this instance is, is if there is voter suppression by the states, that the federal government would then step in and that these laws would protect the citizens of this country whose rights are being violated. So the states still have the right to pass voter laws. They just don't have the right to deny access through those laws to the constitutional right that we all enjoy, which is the right to vote. Mm -hmm. So again, the goal of these federal laws that were being introduced um, was to provide that there is not voter suppression. And there are states that have had historically um, discriminated against individuals um, under the voting rights laws. And so the Voting Rights Act of 1965 that said, hey, states who have historically discriminated against individuals, Mississippi, Alabama, states like that, that would require literacy tests, for instance, or enhanced voter uh, IDs. If the states wanted to pass a law regarding IDs, for instance, after 1965, then those states would have to get pre-clearance to do so didn't mean they couldn't pass the law, it just meant that there had to be clearance to make sure that there wasn't voter suppression. Mm -hmm. So, Ariana, tell us what some other things are that, this, that these laws, these federal laws being proposed, which were not voted on, mm -hmm. <laughs> these laws being proposed, what would they do? Yeah, so these acts, like they would they would require a couple of things, actually. So the first thing would be making Election Day to be a federal holiday. Because a lot of people don't get this day off, and a lot of them have to go afterwards, and times are crunched at the end of the day, mm -hmm. and they're waiting. So it would, make, it would make it a lot easier for people, if they have the day off from work, to go and exercise their right to vote. And also, states would accept a wide range of forms of non-photographic identification in place of where an ID is required to vote. There are many different forms of ID and on like in at your polling stations they have your information so if they see your full government name and where you live it's easy to check to see oh this person is who they're saying that they are. And restore another thing that um, it would require is to restore voting access to those who were formerly incarcerated. And this is a big population. And the thing is, people who are incarcerated or who were incarcerated are still human beings and still deserve the right to vote. It doesn't mean that they're not a citizen anymore. They've paid a debt to society. Yes. And you can still limit, you know, some types of crimes that maybe can be foreclosed from voting, depending on the circumstances. But but to just generally have a blanket um, requirement that says that if you've been incarcerated or have a criminal record you can't vote is really it's too overbroad and it denies access. Mm -hmm. And especially with like so many laws going on with 
mass incarceration. This is a big issue. I feel like it's taking, if, if people aren't allowed to vote after being incarcerated, it's kind of like their voice is being taken away from them after you were saying that they had served their time. And another thing that would be required is to allow voting by mail with no excuses needed and voters could put their ballot in drop boxes. Right. I mean, Texas, for instance, you, there's a law that you can't have any drop boxes mm-hmm. um, now. They formally allowed one and, you know, mm-hmm. but now you can't have any. So, I mean, it's just ridiculous that yeah. access is being denied to individuals who don't have reliable um, mail service, for instance. Yeah. And um, it would also allow states to have early voting access, um, vote, early voting for the last, for at least two weeks prior to the election, including nights and weekends. One that is a big issue that isn't really thought about is counting eligible votes on provisional ballots cast in the wrong precinct. So a lot of times um, precincts will change. And I have an example during the uh, 2020 election. My grandmother lives in one of these states that are trying to restrict uh, voting access and um, my cousin had driven her because she's um, in her late 80s. So a lot of times people have to schedule with someone else to take them. And so my cousin had taken her to where she normally would go to vote and at the last minute or my grandmother just didn't know they had changed where she was supposed to go vote. So she couldn't vote there, so she, my cousin had to drive her somewhere else. And a lot of times people are on a, like a crunch time scale, and they don't have enough time to go drive somewhere else. And that takes a lot of people out, and if someone was to accidentally vote in the wrong area, it wouldn't be counted. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, another thing, we're in 2022. Everyone uses computers, everyone uses the internet, iPads, tablets, online, automatic and same-day voter registration should be a thing. Mm-hmm. It would take Definitely. it would take a couple seconds, minutes max. And in 2022, people are still struggling to get equal voting access, and people are actually trying to restrict it. Um, and this is a right that every American deserves. So in relation to the filibuster, like we were talking about a little earlier, Senator Elizabeth Warren explains so eloquently the process of bills to become laws. So she explained four steps. So in the first step is a bill needs to be brought to the floor. The second step is that senators debate the bill. And the third step would be senators vote to end the debate. And the fourth step would be senators to vote on the bill. Who wins, it would be the majority. But there are a couple events in history that had changed a little bit of this structure. And Julie, would you like to talk a little bit about that and like what is the problem with the filibuster? Sure. So in 1806, Aaron Burr in the Senate complained that there were too many laws that were being passed because anytime a senator proposed a bill to be voted on, it would be voted on. Um, At the time, you could end debate with only a simple majority. Ending debate by a simple majority is a rule that existed under the original Senate rules. And Aaron Burr wanted to change that 
because he felt it was redundant to be able to end debate with only a simple majority and then vote on a bill and pass the bill with only a simple majority. So basically, in 1806, they got rid of the ability to end debate with a simple majority and just allowed debate until it ended. And so debates could go on indefinitely. That's called a filibuster, when a debate goes on endlessly. So obviously this created a problem. But first of all, let me just say this. There's nowhere in the United States Constitution that a filibuster um, is permitted or that a filibuster can't be ended with a simple majority or that it can't be ended some other way. Um, it's just not in the U.S. Constitution at all. So it became an issue because debate could be conducted endlessly. Um, and so Okay, so in 1917, the Senate passed a rule which made it possible to break a filibuster with two-thirds majority. In 1975, that was reduced to 60 votes to end a debate. But still, that's, that's much more than a simple majority, which is 51 members of the Senate to pass legislation. Now you need 60 people, 60 senators to vote to pass to end the debate mm -hmm. and advance a bill to the floor so that you can vote on the actual merits of the bill. Um, so essentially you need 60 votes to pass a bill because you're only gonna support the ending of the filibuster, usually, if you support the bill that's being advanced. Mm -hmm. So now it's turned into the situation where you essentially need 60 votes for any bill. So what happened last week is the Democrats proposed using a nuclear option, which is an option to change the Senate procedures. One of those procedures you can change is this filibuster rule that you need 60 votes to end a debate. The Democrats wanted, for the purposes of voting on the Voting Rights Act bills, to be able to end debate with only a simple majority, which is what the rule was originally in the Senate. Mm -hmm. So that was proposed, and the, the Democrats could not get a, even a simple majority to end that procedure so that an actual vote could be taken on the Voting Rights Act bill because two of the Democrats, um, there's 50 Democrats in the Senate now, 50 Republicans, and the Vice President, Kamala Harris, essentially can break a vote. Um, she can vote when there's a tie. So two of the Democrats, Senator Joe Manchin, from West Virginia, and Senator Kristen um, Sinema from Arizona uh, voted against changing the procedure so that debate could be ended. So interestingly enough, some of the, 
senators, Republicans, were representing last week, that there's never been a change um, in the Senate procedures for legislation to be passed by simple majority. That's simply not true. Um, we had Senator Klobuchar, who was able to cite 160 different examples um, <laughs> that a simple majority was enough. And in fact, interestingly, um, one very recent or pretty recent example is in 2017, when the Republicans held the majority in the Senate, and as you know, Trump was in office, um, there was a filibuster uh, for the nomination of Judge Neil Gorsuch, who was being nominated by Trump to the U.S. Supreme Court. And there was a vote by the Republican-controlled Senate to change the rules and to change them so that any time a U.S. Supreme Court justice was being nominated, that the filibuster rule did not apply. And that passed. And um, Judge Gorsuch got appointed, nominated, and voted in by the Senate by a simple majority. Um, and the filibuster was broke, not by vote, but by a change in procedure. So that essentially was being proposed to happen with these Voting Rights Act, which are very important acts, um, and it didn't happen. So we never got to the actual merits of the voting bills and whether there should be a vote of yay or nay on those actual bills. So those two bills, which, which by the way, I think we've mentioned this, but I think it's <laughs> important to mention yeah. again, these bills have already been approved by the House. And so, although we weren't able to get an, a vote last week, we can still get a vote. I mean, there's still hope. <laughs> Maybe one day we can get a vote on the actual merits of these bills once debate stops. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, it is important to have vigorous debate, but it's important to end debate, too, so that a vote can be taken. Because if you debate forever, you're not going to get anything done. Right. I mean, if the vote, if, the, if they can't get a majority on the Voting Rights Act bills, a simple majority, then the bills will die. But they don't even have a chance if they can't get voted on, which is which is so unfortunate because um, these all these bills are trying to do is provide access to the ballot box, is to provide fairness in elections. Mm -hmm. And those things are important <laughs> to our democracy. Yeah, and Unfortunately, there is a history of the filibuster being used to stop the vote on civil rights laws. And in 1918 even, anti-lynching legislation was filibustered. It took 100 years to break this filibuster. And in, in 2018, anti-lynching is still not law. This is a practice that is used to uphold white supremacy. Um, and actually, I remember I was in a coffee shop one day, and it was around this time, actually. 
I was in a coffee shop and this man, this older man was talking to another man. And he's like, I just don't see why this matters. Like anti-lynching, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this, there are different forms of lynching and this still occurs. It might not be what you imagine it to be, but it is happening to minority groups. Um, and it's, although it's not happening to you, it might, it doesn't mean that it's not happening. So I was, I was just listening to the conversation because this was, it was actually probably around that time, 2018, 2019. And I was just like, that's, I wasn't expecting to hear it. And then I heard the two men and like, yes, they were two older white men, but I was like, come on, like, let's think of the bigger picture. Like just because it doesn't apply to you doesn't mean that it's not happening. And it's, that's insensitive. It, it, it's still an issue. Um, and I'm currently reading right now The 1619 Project by Nicole Hannah-Jones. And there are a number of quotes that have resonated with me regarding this current topic of the filibuster and voter suppression. So I'm going to read a couple of them. Um, but this book is so good. So if you have the chance to read it, um, I highly recommend. And... So the first quote is, many of the political systems, legal arrangements, cultural beliefs, and economic structures that uphold and promote this level of inequity trans their roots back to slavery and its aftermath. The framework remains, free of rival political majorities, demographic replacement of, go of a government that threatens privilege and hierarchy. And a great example of this would be uh, minority leader of the Senate, which is currently Mitch McConnell, and he is using, he can use the filibuster on every bill that a Democrat wants to pass. And Rule 22, which was talked about a little bit earlier, requires a bill to go through two votes in the Senate. So the supermajority and the simple majority. So why is this important? So it's to say the least, it's disheartening that a Senate rule, which is nowhere in the Constitution, is blocking a vote on these important laws. Um, the Voting Rights Act needs to be passed. And the thing is, by having more people able to vote doesn't mean that your vote is getting taken away. It just means that people will be able to vote for a larger group. Um, and these people who are getting voted into these positions, they don't just represent you. They, they represent the majority, and they're supposed to be the voice of a group of people. So if only your voice is being heard, that's an issue. It needs to be, everyone's voice needs to be heard. Um, and by fixing voter suppression, that's going to help that a lot. And people have not been shy they've been very vocal about their opinions on the importance of voting and if and that was no different so there have been numerous politicians and celebrities who have been vocal about voting rights and the ones that stuck up to me was um first bernie's king so she's um martin luther king jr's and coretta scott king's daughter um and she was talking about voter suppression on martin luther king day um last week. So she said that voting is the heart and soul of our democracy. And this is not about Democrats or Republicans. It's not about black people, brown people, or even poor people. This is about all people. She said, uh, Dr. Bernice King said on Amplified with 
um, Aisha Mills. At the end of the day, it affects all of us as citizens of the United States of America. Um, I don't. I, I think. She, I don't think she could have said that any better. She also said that she said this on Twitter, but she said ending voter suppression matters. We must also ensure that people have something to vote for. We must do the critical, consequential work of justice in between elections, and we must not relegate my father's legacy to the ballot box. His legacy is about the world house. Um, and I just thought that was very well said. And Stevie Wonder was not the person, it's not one person that I thought was gonna say something. Out of all of the comments, um, his went viral because he made a video and it was on YouTube. And he said, any senator who cannot support the protection of voting rights in the United States of America cannot say that they support the Constitution. Stop the hypocrisy and cut the bull tish. And you can find that video on his YouTube channel. And I would like to say, you know, please exercise your right to vote. Um, and that more rights for everyone does not mean less rights for you. Yeah, so the, it, it, it's not it's not like pie. So it's nothing is being taken away from you. It's just more. And I think we should all ask ourselves, why is it that if you're one of those people who are like, I don't think that people should be able to vote. Well, ask yourself, why is that? Why do you want someone to not have the same rights as you? to have access to voting, to not be discriminated against, to voice their opinions. And I think that's something that we should all sit with. Do you have any last words? Um, I echo what you're saying, Ariana, that access is so crucial and that the Voting Rights Act that are being proposed are the sole purpose is not to suppress state rights, it's to enhance citizens' rights to have a voice in who runs our democracy and who represents the citizens of this country. So these voter rights matter and they should get an opportunity to be voted on. So hopefully one day soon, we will get an actual vote after the filibuster has ended, um, an actual vote on the content of these bills. And hopefully they will be passed into law and uh, the voters will be protected. Yeah, so if thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you. And we have our resources again in the show notes. And thank you and tune into our next episode.